Net Zero, a digital journey, a podcast series produced by Content with Purpose in partnership with BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT. Welcome to the first episode of Net Zero, a digital journey, a podcast series made by BCS, the Chartered Institute for IT and Content with Purpose, exploring the essential role that the IT professions hold in addressing the climate crisis and achieving net zero targets. I'm Helen Chersky, your host for the series. Now, a lot of things have changed in the past few years, but one of the most obvious is that climate change is now firmly on the public agenda. And the most heartening thing for me is that it's no longer a niche thing discussed only by specialist groups in specific environments. Society really has woken up to the idea that changing the way we do almost everything in order to live in a more climate-friendly and less resource-intensive way is the great challenge of our time. It's the context for everything we do. The other great change of the past two decades is our increasing reliance on the digital world, how we communicate, how we access data, the architecture of the systems that run our civilization. All of this has changed almost beyond recognition. So how do these two great revolutions come together? What role does the digital world have in the journey to net zero and to a world with healthier ecosystems based on a circular economy? That's what this podcast series is all about. And today we'll start with exploring the potential that the sector has to help and what those priorities might be. On every podcast, I'll be joined by two expert guests so we can hear their insights and perspective. And our first guest today, very appropriately, is Mayank Prakash, the president of BCS. Mayank, it's great to have you joining us here. Um, Could you start just by telling us a little bit about BCS? I assume lots of our listeners will be familiar with it, but maybe we could just bring everyone up to speed. Well, BCS is the Chartered Institute for IT, and it's where technology leaders and technology professionals from around the world come together to make IT good for society. And what are your priorities as during your term as president? And my first priority is to make sure that uh, we are um, setting the IT profession up to be successful. There is a lot that is changing. The potential offered by technology is unprecedented in the history of mankind. And along with that potential comes a whole set of new issues and policies that need to be a, a set right for us to explore the potential of technology. For example, ethical use of AI, not just the use of AI. Now that we have increasing AI capabilities, how do we use it ethically? A, for example, not just security, but privacy a, with data. And so those are things that individuals, whether they are professionals or organizations can't do and BCS does to represent the profession collectively. The second purpose of BCS is to help professionals learn, grow and develop, connect with each other so that we can achieve more together. And so those are primarily the two things BCS is focused on. And when it comes to these great transitions we're talking about in respect of the climate crisis, you know, this transition to net zero, how how switched on do you think the IT sector is to all of this? Why is now the moment when they should be thinking about it? I think the technology or the IT sector is very switched on um, for a number of reasons. One, society is switched on, Helen, to your earlier observation. This is no longer a niche topic. It's a mainstream conversation. COP summits are no longer something that is covered as the seventh news item. These are now headline things for society. It's because environmental sustainability 
is important for society. It is now enshrined in law across several sectors. And so that's driving action. The second reason why the IT sector is um, more aware of this is because we have come a long way from just our carbon footprint, which was the focus of the IT industry, which is what is the data center's carbon footprint, to understanding the role that both I and T in IT can play in driving environmental sustainability. On the I front first, there's information that helps distill facts from fiction so that we don't see greenwashing, so that we actually see the true environmental impact, say, for example, in financial services of money, the impact of money on the environment and vice versa. And then lastly, the T, technology. Well, technology is changing how every sector and every industry becomes more environmentally sustainable. And there is a unique role for the IT industry to play right across sectors. Brilliant. Thank you. That's a great introduction. It's time to meet our second guest, and that is Adam Turner, the Head of Digital Sustainability for the UK government, which does sound like a huge job role. So, Adam, can you just tell me a little bit about how you ended up doing what you're doing and and what you actually do as Head of Digital Sustainability? What does that mean? I started on this in 2006. Um, I saw a gap in the market there, there wasn't anybody talking about this. And as a chartered environmentalist and a full member of British Computer Society, I wanted to bring those two worlds together. So I've been actively pursuing this across UK government since for the last 16 years. And what it essentially means is I wanted to, you know, if you put a traditional safety or security hat on for IT, I see it exactly the same. Sustainability is as important as cyber, security, safety, availability, all the ITs. We should be thinking about those exactly the same and um, you know that's that's what I've been working to do so working to build that into policy strategy um, and ways of working and guidance across all UK government departments and we publish that annually on gov.uk and we've been doing that for over 10 years so as as uh, Maya just said um, it's not just carbon it's the whole social sphere of this it's the economy angle I mean let's not forget sustainability is the three pillars everyone seems to be focusing on the carbon please 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 move away from the carbon there is an awful lot of stuff going on outside of that um, and that's really what we try and do I try to make sustainability business as usual within the digital data and technology profession across government. Well, I guess the thing about having a perspective from inside government is that you see, you know, governments are there to sort of represent the people in what happens in society and, and, you know, coming up with policies that organise all of that. So from that perspective, from like, you know, the world of all the people who are not in the IT sector, what does the world need from the tech sector when it comes to climate things and net zero like there's all the things that the IT IT sector might want to do or might want to sell or might want to provide but what does the world actually need from this sector it needs openness and transparency from the IT sector what's going on at the moment is and the IT sector are very very good at this is telling us all of the great new technologies that are coming along that's going to save us all what isn't being shared is the true footprint 
an impact, especially in terms of scope free. And for those of our listeners that don't know what scope free is, think of a pint of Guinness, scope one and two, which is the stuff that we you know you plug it in your laptop at home. How much electricity am I using? That's the froth on the top of a pint of Guinness. The rest of that pint of Guinness is scope free. It's about 85, 90% of our footprint. Currently, that lies with the suppliers, and the suppliers are not generally uniformly sharing with that us as customers. So for me, we need less to focus on what can technology do because the technology sector is doing a wonderful thing there. But if you, anyone involved in contracts, procurement, design, you mentioned architecture earlier, our focus should be on how do we ensure that our new digital technology services are part of the solution and not part of the problem. And the only way we can do that is to design sustainably and have the skills we need to do that. Net zero. A digital journey. This episode is sponsored by Wipro. Wipro is a leading technology services and consulting company focused on building innovative solutions that address clients' most complex digital transformation needs. You can learn more about their work on our digital series website, netzerodigital.bcs.org forward slash UK. Net Zero a digital journey. So how broad is the thinking here for both of you? Um, we'll start with uh, Mayank. Uh, you know, when it comes to the the places where what IT could be thinking about, what it should be doing, like let's lay out the map of how, you know, um, Adam said it's not just about um, carbon consumption, but what can IT actually help with? Like what what's the scope of the IT sector's role in the transition to net zero? Well, I think we live in a unique point in mankind's history where technology plays a pivotal role in every industry and everything every one of us does. It doesn't matter whether it's healthcare, whether it is how vaccines are booked and how can we be more uh, environmentally conscious in creating a lower or footprint and in that or whether it is at the other end, uh, more diversity and how do we get more diverse is from a as an ESG G perspective, the governance of, of organizations, um, or whether it is the S in the middle, um, to Adam's point, this is no longer about carbon footprint, but across every industry, technology is playing a role. Technology is playing a role in making existing things more efficient and effective. Technology is playing a role in disrupting every industry. It doesn't matter whether it's your corner bakery or whether it is how mankind sends satellites into space. Every industry is being disrupted by technology. And as technology disrupts us, there's an opportunity for us to reimagine outcomes for every industry and reimagine them in a way that is sustainable uh, and that is creating a better future for the next generation. Adam, have you got anything to add to the, you know, how broadly this sector should be thinking about what its responsibilities are? Digital technology, whatever we want to call it, all-encompassing term, and sustainability are both having their moments in the sun. They are not necessarily natural bedfellows. We are growing our data exponentially in the true use of that term. And sustainability has become, as you've said, Helen and uh, Mike, um, it's everywhere. Everybody has a policy. So the key thing here is that any organization is going to be digitizing 
you will have a sustainability strategy, you will have a bunch of goals. Make sure technology is part of one of those goals and make sure you're looking at the impact, impacts and benefits of the technology against your company objectives. As a whole, it may be travel reduction, it may be waste reduction, it may be improved customer service, it may be diversity, it may be whatever. Technology is going to have a role to play and you have to anticipate that the technology footprint may increase. In fact, I go as far to say it will increase, but you need to look at that in the broader context in that you will be saving energy, you will be saving travel, you will be improving service, you will be improving all those other things. So it has to be a very, very holistic view of what we're doing. And we have to stop and challenge these mantras of companies from the IT sector, especially telling us that everything is green and fine. It's very hard, this line that I'm walking on. <laughs> but we need, to, we need to challenge that thinking. We need to accept as I say, think of that pint of Guinness. There's a lot of stuff going on in the background. We need to understand what that is. But also, let's recognise the wonderful stuff that IT can do for us as well. Well, to pick up on your analogy, I mean, it seems there's actually two pints of Guinness here. And one of them is is the IT sector's own, what it's doing, what it uses, its consumption. And and actually, we have a, we have a future podcast coming up in this series specifically on green IT. But there's another pint of Guinness to stick with this, which is what technology enables in society, right? There's kind of ways of thinking about things. And, you know, there's a, there's, it feels to me from the outside as there's kind of, there's the Silicon Valley, which is always proposing things that never really asks anyone what they want. So there's a whole kind of Silicon Valley type tech. And then there's lots of other tech, you know, small to medium sized companies. How, who, who basically, who decides here? Like, is this the job of the tech companies to come up with ideas and tell other people that they, they need this to be more sustainable? Or, or do they need to be slightly more in listening mode and people say, look, we've got this problem. Can you help us? Okay, I'll, gi- I'll give you an example. What, what we've done across government, as I said, is try to understand the true impact and footprint of our technology. And five years ago, I wrote a new government strategy that has since been updated. But in that strategy, I moved the goalposts from just being about government technology services, which was showing a gradual reduction in footprint and impact over the years, to actually saying, actually, our footprint is with our suppliers now, as we move to the cloud, as we move everyone else. So I engaged a force of every single government department which is around 26 departments, around half a million end users, an annual budget of around £6 billion to the IT industry. And we said, you will give us the information we need for the carbon footprint for the data and the services we're consuming in the cloud. We need that information. Otherwise, we cannot design a sustainable service. We can no longer carry on just saying, move to the cloud, it's greener, which is kind of the mantra that existed up until only a few months ago. Now that's starting to shift, thankfully. But using your power as a business, and you can group, I would fully recommend partnership here is one of the sustainable development goals um, to really say to industry and put it in your contracts in order to meet our sustainability goals as a company, as a body, as an entity, as a charity, as whatever you are, we need you to step up technology provider and give us that information. Because without that, we're just... We're just guessing. And Mike, where do you see this um, sort of, where do you see the responsibility here? Is it for the tech sector to come up with ideas for other people to say, you know, you, if you use this service, you would be greener? Or is it for the tech sector to be 
more of a services thing where people come to it and say, look, we want to be our problem. That's the thing that's stopping us being more sustainable is this. Can you help us solve this problem? How much where, how does this sit? It's obviously a bit of both, but but what what is the what is the responsibility of the tech sector in terms of proposing and listening here? I think, as you say, Helen, it's a it's a bit of both, and I think there's goodness in the fact that it's a bit of both, because of course, in an open market, competitive marketplace, is a technology provider that is not meeting the needs of any business, is and how that business is evolving. To Adam's earlier point. Um, is not going to be existing. It's not going to be competitive. And, and that tech business is not going to thrive in itself. But on the other hand, people don't know what to ask for. And people don't know the potential that technology offers. And one of the fundamental good things about technology, and particularly in this era, is we're seeing computing reimagine how businesses are run. And therein lies a creative opportunity for technology to disrupt constructively and reimagine business models, reimagine businesses so they are far more efficient and effective. And that efficiency and effectiveness, that ability to reimagine what that business looks like, it means business is done fundamentally differently. I give you a simple example. In the past, we may be laying cables to provide an internet connectivity to a particular remote location. Well, shortly, we're going to have 50,000 satellites going around the world. Um, and those satellites will be able to reach. And that's a totally reimagining how network connectivity is provided. Now that presents a whole set of new sustainability challenges of how do we avoid debris in this space. And that's also what the technology sector needs to tackle. They are all very holistic um, you know, points, are they? Because even in that, just what the, it's a very good example there, you have who, you know, what, who, how do you share the communications bandwidth? What do you do with the satellites? Who has control over them? It comes with a whole load of other. You can't, it's not, it's not a simple decision. These have to be very uh, sort of nuanced discussions. I'm interested in what the obstacles are to the tech sector being a good partner to, to society. Are, are there obstacles? What What's holding, you know, things could always go faster, I guess. But, but are there any specific obstacles that are preventing the tech sector doing as much as it could to help society transition to net zero and to a circular economy, which is, you know, more to do with biodiversity and resource use in the world. Um, so obstacles, uh, Mayank first. Well, I'd pick three. Um, trust in technology is an obstacle. And that can be an obstacle to the pace of change of any particular business, or it can be an obstacle with digital literacy and trust in technologies and the ability to be comfortable with technologies that are making, uh, that are doing more than what they've done in the past in human experience. The second um, obstacle is data and how structured it is, how correct it is, information or disinformation can often be used uh, unconstructively in this space of change and transformation. And the third obstacle is we are not mature users of technology or computing technologies. I shouldn't say technology in general, but mankind is not a mature user of computing technologies. This is relatively recent. It's a bit like go back 100 years and how uh, 
how much in infancy was the airline industry. And of course, at that point, there were a lot more collisions and flying by air was a lot more unsafe 120 years back. And and we are experiencing similarly the early adoption challenges of technology disrupting or computing technology disrupting every industry. Adam, what, what obstacles do you see? Firstly, skills. The, the, this, the idea of a digital sustainability green IT type person really fell off the table, off the agenda not so long ago. This was fashionable back in around 2010. By the time you get back to 2012, there was nobody left doing this apart from me and a few others. Um, We're in a place now where if you are a digital data technology professional and you want to look for a skills pathway to be able to do this, it doesn't exist. There are bits and pieces, but there is a huge gap. I would call to BCS very strongly to fill that gap. Um, There are currently thousands and thousands of people now employed in this sector where there was currently nobody. And it's generally people who are interested in sustainability, but don't necessarily have the skills. So this is a huge problem, both for customers and for technology providers. Um, The other point is um, collaboration. So at COP27, British government under DEFRA launched our Government Digital Sustainability Alliance. That is our attempt to bring the technology sector together to work in collaboration and openness and partnership to help government tackle our sustainability targets, not just technology ones, but much much broader in terms of policy. This is challenging. This is about collaboration. This is about working outside of commercial boundaries. This isn't, you know, it's very easy for the technology sector to say, we've got a great product um, or service, you can use that, but this is absolutely not what the sector is about. And for me, this is about coming together, working across the boundaries to achieve that greater good for society. And it's going to need a lot of openness. And that is, again, a big challenge because we kind of slightly have to move away from traditional business and growth thinking. And it's a very interesting space, but I think it's one that technology can absolutely thrive in. And how does that work with, you know, you get a lot of tech startups, for example, and, you know, people want, people basically want the way the world is set up at the moment, as you say, is it's about commercial advantage. I have this widget or product or thing that I've invented. You don't have it. And therefore I can sell it and you can't. And so the incentive to collaborate for the person, for the haves is not very high, but the incentive to collaborate for the have-nots is, is very high. How, how do we shift that mentality? Well, on, a, on a personal level, I've got two forums in government and one is that big government digital sustainability alliance, which is currently mainly large players but SMEs will be welcome in there as well but in terms of innovation to give you a practical example I did a session at COP27 with a a very small startup on calculating the carbon emissions of cloud and we did that in the blue zone of COP27 i.e where the politicians are it was the first time that the carbon emissions for cloud computing had ever been done but I do that through what what called my star group so I, I just recommend it people like the mirror this are kind of internal innovation if 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 you know if any small startup whether it's circular economy end of life it management or remanufacture or if it's software green software engineering or there's loads and loads of examples i bring them in 
and I showcase them across government and try to really help them get a foot in the door. So openness about what's out there. Everyone, at least knowing it exists, is a start. That's what I take from what yes. you said. Um, and uh, Mayank, have you got examples of companies or you know organisations who are already doing interesting and useful things? Because I think that one of the things is that there's a lot of conversations of, oh, well, people do and this could happen and it's all very kind of nebulous. And I wondered if you had any examples, specific examples of, you know, places where someone did something, someone in the tech centre did something or changed their way of working or, you know, really did something differently and that's the right direction to go in. Well, I'll pick two examples. Um, one of the privileges of being at BCS is we come across businesses across all sectors and uh, across several countries as well. So uh, I'll pick one example, which is an agricultural example where technology is disrupting in how uh, plants grow and uh, how they can be grown locally so that you do not have uh, the global shipment of plants and food with supply chains that is the norm at present. And, and how plants can crucially be stored for much longer so that you do not have the food wastage that happens. And that industry has been totally reimagined by technology. doesn't matter whether it's vertical farming, and doesn't matter whether it is as the ability to use light far more efficiently across different climates to actually grow plants or whether it is more effective storage capabilities with sensors so that you can keep food stored more optimally. Or take an entirely different example, one of financial services, where now um, you not only see the impact of money and how money is flowing in, in on the environment, but you look at the reverse as well, which is the impact of environmental change on how money is flowing into different sectors. And the financial services as industry and how it looks at bidirectional relationship with ESG is, um, is is quite is changing the nature of that industry quite radically compared to where it was literally a decade back. And I'm interested in whether you think that the te- the IT sector. I mean, you know, those two examples really show how broad the reach of IT is. I'm interested in in whether either of you think really that 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 gives the IT sector extra responsibility in terms of levers in society. You know, because IT is at the root of so many, many things. If the IT industry gets it right and sets a good example, that has a multiplier effect on everyone else, right? It's a very, it's almost an easy way in. If you can set good practice in this area, it's not just that you provide the technology, but you also change the way people think. I mean, is is it the case? Is it the case that the IT sector, because it's so all pervasive, has an extra responsibility here? Or is it just too big a thing and IT is, you know, too big and nebulous and doesn't have a single way of thinking. Both of you clearly want to speak on this, so let's have Mayank first. <laughs> yes, Helen, I agree that there is an extra responsibility for a number of reasons. One, to start with Adam's point about skills. If the tech or IT industry or sector has got the skills and expertise to not only transform other industries, but also be ESG illiterate 
themselves. That has a multiplying effect because technologists are touching every industry. And so if working practices from the technology industry can get better and talent can get better, then that is going to touch and accelerate the pace of transformation across industries. The second reason why technology has got um, a bigger responsibility is because we, while we have the upside of disruption positively, it also comes with the responsibility to deal with the consequences of that. Information is a great example. Uh, we have social media and the internet and lots of apps have made it really easy for us to connect as mankind across traditional boundaries. But disinformation is a weapon today that's used, as we've seen in Ukraine. And, and so uh, with great capability comes greater responsibility to make sure that it's used right it, and implemented well. And hence, I think the technology sector has got a huge opportunity and a huge responsibility to get this right. Okay, Adam, responsibility of the tech sector. Does it have a special role to play here? Yes. I'll expand. Very, very recently, we've seen the emergence of a very important role on senior boards across every sector, which is that of the chief sustainability officer. The reason I believe that's there is that very soon your senior board in whatever company or organisation you've got will not just be managing budgets and people, you'll be managing carbon and those uh, boards will be turning to the chief digital information officer, the chief technology officers of those companies and saying, solve our sustainability problems, help us meet our targets. It cannot be done without technology. And you're right, there's two sides to this. There's IT for green and there's greening IT. And it's absolutely vital that as we're looking at any new technology or service as commanded from your CEO or VP, through your Chief Sustainability Officer, through your Chief Digital and Information Officer, that you know those products, services, technology are delivered in a truly sustainable way. So yes, it's absolutely incumbent that we have to be squeaky clean, which is why I was on about transparency earlier. It's absolutely vital. We are no longer in the world we were in 10 years ago where we could just say, buy some new laptops, because Moore's law is no longer relevant. Shove everything in the cloud. We can't say that honestly, that that's going to be greener because we all experience spiraling costs. And I'm sure there's going to be nobody listening to this that hasn't experienced the move to the cloud accompanied by spiraling costs. And those costs are accompanied by spiraling carbon. And what we haven't got yet is the information to support that. So yes, it's absolutely vital that we are the best of the best. Okay, there's so much to dig into here that we haven't got time to, but a brief comment, probably appropriately, having just said that from both of you on timing, because, you know, there's a lot of pressures at the moment, there's a lot going on. And I can see, you know, an attitude which kind of says, well, it's all kind of happening, you know, we could do something, we'll have some meetings, we'll kind of think about it. And there's an attitude that says, no, we have to do this now, tomorrow, this week, this has to start. And there is clearly, from a climate point of view, there is a huge amount of urgency. Like, you know, we, we, the climate modelling is very clear. The sooner we take action, the easier the whole thing becomes. So what, what's the deal from your, both of your point of views about the timing here? Like, is, is it, because it, it's not happening yet, right? It's, it's, there, there aren't already tools or it, it's kind of being built as it's being used in a way. So is it the case that companies 
should you know think about this and take their time and, and get it right, or is it this? Is it you know that traditional tech sector thing of move quickly and break things? How do how do we deal with urgency here, and how how urgent is it prudent to be? Adam first, and then Miank. Gosh, that is a fantastic question. I think I think I'd go agile on this. I think I'd go move fast and, and break stuff, um, fail fast, fail first. Absolutely, we have no time to spare. What we've seen recently in the last few years are companies setting net zero targets for 2025, 2030, early 2030. The science-based target initiatives, I'm sure many people listening to this will know, move the goalposts to say what a net zero date should actually look like. It now needs to include all the rest of that pint of Guinness. We really should get a sponsorship deal with Guinness. Um, so that means that actually net zero dates have been pushed back. This has a slightly adverse effect in that it takes the urgency away. But what it actually means is that things are now a lot tougher to meet that net zero target. We have to do this now. So if you haven't got the people in place to do this, if you haven't got the skilled architects, the skilled project managers, the skilled service delivery managers, product designers, user designers, they cannot, they have to have sustainability within their skill set right now. If you're a company providing services, as um, Mayank said earlier, you will not get the business. It is as simple as that. There is so much policy and strategy out there now, especially within the public sector, that demands sustainability, not just have you got ISO 14001, not just have you got an environmental management system, but are you? when is your net zero date? How will you work with us as a public sector organisation to meet our goals? All of this kind of stuff, it has to be now. But then on your point from earlier, you know, on the skills point, presumably a lot of these people are going to have to learn on the job because those skills don't already exist. So companies presumably have some responsibility to employ people with potential and then say, okay, do it and learn it at the same time. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'd be looking for commitment. So I'd be looking for membership of British Computer Society, membership of the Green IT Group that's within here and, you know, a, a professional um, background in some form on environmental and trying to bring those two things together uh, to, to to deliver a more sustainable product. But yeah, that everyone is moving, has to move at pace here. Okay, Mayank, urgency. What's, what's the timing thing here? Let's just be honest, we are too late. Um, and so I think we have no choice but to move at pace. I agree with Adam that this is about taking small steps and making sure we test and learn and then scaling out rapidly. It, that is the way to scale transformation safely. Uh, and that is the way for transformations to connect with other transformations. Uniquely in this world, transformation of one industry enables the transformation of another industry. And technology has that unique ability to spur these transformations on. It is new and uncharted territory, which is why professionalism matters which is why I totally agree with Adam's point. The code of conduct that professional bodies like BCS adopt and all of our members adopt are absolutely key to doing this professionally because we're doing this, this without precedent. But we are too late and we've got to get on with doing it. Okay, so we are almost out of time. Just briefly, I would like to get from each of you um, the sort of big messages that you think need to get out to the tech sector about all of this. What's the thing that you could put on the, the billboard that would be seen by, you know, IT companies, IT managers, all the people involved in this sector? Adam first. Do not assume any new technology you're bringing out is going to be greener than the last one. 
you need to understand your current footprint right now. Do not be freaked out if your current footprint increases or is larger than you thought. Make sure you look at things holistically in terms of your entire business and recognise the role that IT has to play in meeting wider sustainability goals for your organisation. Brilliant. Okay, big message, Mac. Embrace the need for change. There's no point hiding away from it. It is here and it needs to be done now. And embrace the potential of technology. There's no point continuing on with the way we did things because they were uh, proven. You've got to explore new things to achieve new outcomes for all of us as mankind. Fantastic. Two great messages to finish there. So I hope that's provided lots of food for thought. Thank you so much to my two fantastic guests, uh, Mayank Prakash and Adam Turner. Uh, There are more podcasts coming up, so keep an eye out for those that we will be covering a broad range of topics on this issue. I'm Helen Charisky, and you've been listening to Net Zero, A Digital Journey. Thanks once again to our episode sponsor, Wipro. You can read, watch and learn more about their work and about the full Net Zero A Digital Journey series by going to netzerodigital.bcs.org forward slash UK or simply searching for hashtag netzerodigital on social media. And don't forget to visit contentwithpurpose.co.uk or find us on socials to check out more of our podcast collaborations.